When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. A lot of people consider that the second greatest radio team in Minnesota history. Mackey and Judd. Behind <laughs> Joe and Pat. <laughs> On 1500 ESPN. Reggie Lynch categorically denies all of these allegations in both instances. He was already cleared once by the University of Minnesota, and I believe by law enforcement, on a prior allegation. That was Ryan Pasika, the attorney for Reggie Lynch. We're going to get into the the Vikings may have just jinxed themselves. I'm I'm a little nervous. There's a lot going on here, too. A little nervous. Vikings-wise. Uh, we'll get that. Matthew Cotter will join us from Winter Park here. Real quick, before we get to another phone call from Tom, and, and the, the lines are open, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Ryan Pasiga took this case. It's not a criminal case. It's a school investigative case. Mm-hmm. And and Reggie Lynch and Ryan Pasiga, after declaring Reggie, what you just heard that soundbite, he's completely innocent he didn't have any sexual contact with these women. That's what he, that's his story. That's what he's saying. They're going to have to prove innocence. It's it's backwards from the legal system, where someone can accuse you of something, and then and then the school does an investigation. Now they exonerated five of the ten football players from last year going through this same process, and now you have a chance after a suspension and an and a, an expulsion have been recommended. Now you get a chance to to state your side of the case mm-hmm. uh, to a panel. Now, Reggie did meet with the EOAA uh, committee as well throughout this process. So it's not like the first time his voice is going to be heard. But you're going to have to prove what motivation would these women have to lie. And my guess is they're not all lying. That would be an amazing, conniving, uh, twisting thing to organize. But that's what you're essentially going to have to prove. All right, you're saying nothing happened. You're going to have to prove what motivation would they have to stretch the truth this much and or lie. And so the appeal now goes before the three-person student sexual misconduct subcommittee. So the EOAA's report is in. That's done. Uh, yeah, I hope they're, I would I would guess that the case that they're going to take to that panel is going to be uh, far more thought out than the press conference we heard yesterday. Probably. I would hope I so. I don't think you can go in there just flaming and expect to win, uh, win the appeal. Yeah. What's up, Tom? Thanks for taking my call, guys. There's, uh, aside to this Story, and I think it's a very big side that has received very little discussion, and I would like you guys to discuss it, and that's the role of Patino here. His watch uh, is littered with this kind of stuff, um, and the history of Lynch and all that kind of stuff. I think that Patino, uh, if he isn't in very serious trouble, should be, 
the AD looks terrible. I don't have a lot of confidence that anything will happen with the AD because uh, Kaler just hired him, and Kaler, frankly, hasn't looked good for the last few years through all of this. But I want to concentrate on Patino. His fingerprints, I think, are all over this thing, and I think it deserves more discussion than it's uh, received so far. Uh, thank you for the call, Tom. I don't think Mark Coyle, other than looking bad just answering questions at a press conference, I don't think he looks bad systematically because the Reggie Lynch incidents and any other basketball-related incidents all took place before he took office. So since then, over the last two years, as we've talked about a lot on the show this week, Patino and Coyle and other sports and coaches in the athletic department have put together coursework to teach players what's acceptable, what's not, over the past two years. Um, as far as Patino and the basketball program, the Daquan McNeil incident kicked off the team. They had the sex video with Kevin Dorsey. Yeah. And then uh, two other players, Dorsey wound up leaving the team. So there's been a lot. There hasn't... I, but I he, don't know if there's been anything in the last two years. See, what he's going to say, what, what, what Patino would come back and say is, you are right, there was a time where things were bad, and that's my fault. But we what we have to keep in mind here, and what's getting confusing is... The accusations against Lynch all date back to the spring of 2016. Patino will come back and say, you're right, I did a bad job until the summer into the fall of 2016 in which I instituted different programs and did different. This is why I don't, unless there is a huge public outcry, which I don't sense so far, I think Patino and Coyle are fine. I, I think I have seen a few people upset enough to say that they should be fired. I don't sense, unless I'm wrong here, I don't sense any true momentum there. But Patino will come back and say, I did a poor job until the summer of 2016 in which I realized I had a problem and yeah. I began educating my players. That's going to be his response. Yep, you nailed it. And having having done that weekly show with him, both on the record and off the record, he owned it. He owned it all. He owned the win-loss record. He owned the behavior. And he said, we have to do a better job. We have to, we have to think about the way that we educate these kids. And they did. And, and this is where it gets confusing if you're not following super closely. And I get it. People have lives. They have jobs. And they're not reading every intricate detail of the story. Every incident that's come out publicly, all of the uh, alleged victims and all of the uh, alleged incidents involving Reggie Lynch, the pub, the ones that are public, and I don't, I, I don't, maybe there's more that will come out at some point. I don't know. That, like you just said, they all took place before Mark Coyle hmm? uh, took office. John, you're on with Mackie and Judd. Hi, um, I was just uh, wanted to make a comment um, uh, about the Reggie Lynch case, uh, more about the he said, she said stuff in, in this. Um, I was uh, accused uh, through my divorce of uh, domestic abuse. Long story short, it was thrown in the courts because it never happened. Um, nothing happened to my ex-wife. <clears throat> nothing happened uh, with her perjury of the courts. My question is this, and to be devil's advocate, why are women who make accusations and they turn out to be false, why are the ramifications for them for character assassinations and lots of job? I'll take your answer uh, off the air. I think there can be. There can be. I mean, if you if you lie and and come out and, and make an accusation against a person and it's proven to be a lie, you're in trouble for that. Now, now does that here's the difference. That case, so so if you come out and lie and you're caught lying, media wise, that case gets boring. This is this is all about, and this is the wrong thing, but it's true. This is all about what is sensationalistic enough to cover and make news, right? 
So so if if you come out and accuse accuse me of something, Phil, and that's a big story, and then it turns out you're lying and I sue you, the media might do a couple paragraphs on that, but that story in their eyes gets boring. So there are there are definitely things that can happen if if you're lying, but in our society now with how things work, Stories lose steam, yeah. and when they lose steam, the reporting on those stories also starts to go away. Yeah. And and just to be clear, I mean, I think there's way too much smoke for there not to be some fire involving Reggie Lynch. I'll say it again. I, I don't think you have multiple investigations and then multiple other women who maybe aren't involved in these particular investigations directly, but they're saying, oh, there's way more they just haven't been, you know, publicly outed. That's not just some grand conspiracy theory. So that's, you know, again, that's the intersection I'm sitting at. I think there's there's a lot to be investigated upon here. I also don't think that people should be punished or have their names uh, com- completely savaged. Now, in the football case, we had pretty intricate details that were released. KSGP obtained the EOA right. report. Which you're not supposed to we get. We saw, yeah. like, like, I mean, that's, man. And now it turns out that five of those guys brought evidence to the table, and they were exonerated to some degree. But we're in these he said, she said cases, and there's not really any evidence, especially 18 months later. It's, right. literally, it's literally one person's word against sure. the other person's word, and people get passionate. And women, rightfully so, are passionate because— a large percentage of these cases are true, and there's no evidence to prove it, and they're mad, at, rightfully so, that this isn't being taken more seriously. But like the caller we just had, if we're to believe the caller we just had, there's yeah. also false out accusations as well. I would say it's probably more of a 90-10 split. Uh, I don't know what the exact percentages and, would be. It's not 50-50, though. And the, pro- the process should play out fairly. I believe that. My problem with what Pasiga did yesterday is is sort of bordering on this character assassination of woe is us, you know, why why don't we put their names out there? That's my problem. The process for Lynch should be as absolutely fair as possible. But the last thing on earth that we we want to do now with the progress that's been made is to scare people away from reporting things. I mean, we're just getting to the point now where people feel okay, not free, okay to do that. We do not want we do not want to take steps backwards now. We're getting to a point where I'm not even going to say it's good, but it's improving. So what we don't want to do is say, how do we frighten people back into not reporting things? That's not a place that you that you want to go back to. Jimmy, you're on with Mackie and Judd. Hey, I'm more along the lines of um, Corzo and Barrero on these things. It's how come the automatic policy is that he shouldn't play until proven innocent, if you will. I, I think the university looks dull on this one because of the policy um, problems that they have with this. It seems like they're always trying to walk the fence and not make anyone mad. What they end up doing is making everybody upset. So I guess I'm just wondering why everyone's tarring and feathering this guy Maybe he's not a good guy. Maybe he's not perfect, but there is no criminal complaint. It's two years old. And why should his penalty not allow him to play? That's, I, I, I think that's, that's an, an onerous penalty for him. Again, I'm not condoning the guy what he did. Maybe it'll prove that the guy is a total scumbag, but I don't know. I mean, right now, the public perception is that this guy's a bad guy, and I'm not sure – 
that that's fair to Reggie Lynch or the victims for that matter. But um, I guess the policy part is what I've got a big problem with. So it's, yeah, this is Jimmy. It's a great question. And it's, I can't speak to what Barrera has been saying. I don't, I don't know what he's been saying about it. I know Corzo is Corzo's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And so Corzo is all about due process and that the athletic component should be separate, but here's where it all comes together. And this is to answer Jimmy's question. Why does Reggie Lynch have to sit out until he proves his innocence? Why is it sort of backwards? It's all about PR. Yes. It's a hundred percent PR. The Gophers Athletic Department, people hear sexual misconduct, especially in this climate, and it's instant outrage. And they don't want Reggie Lynch on national TV, on ESPN or Big Ten Network, representing the school with this cloud hanging over him. And they don't want to have to introduce him in front of a packed house at Williams Arena at center, Reggie Lynch, and have 15,000 people booing him. Uh, they just don't want to deal with it. So while the investigation takes place, if it's not, if it's a criminal investigation, the policy states that he sits out. Yes. If it's not, the athletic director uses discretion. Right. And in this case, he's thinking, Mark Coyle's thinking, my God, if he plays and it's two different sexual misconduct cases, we're going to get hammered. So it's just, they're just reacting from a PR standpoint. But, That's the answer. But you have this, you have this group like like Scott is, who are are you know black and white. Go through the entire process. Okay, that that group's here. Then you have your other group, which is, oh my God, if he's being investigated by anybody, suspend him. And what people don't take into account is this: the university and their athletic department is a business. It's a big business, and every day they weigh is this worth it or not. And it's that simple. Like there's no, I I think we I think we as people want to look at a situation like this and say, what what are the morals here? What are the how are we raising our children? That's not how they look at things. They look at things through the microscope of we want to fill as many people in the seats as possible. We want to make as much cash off TV as possible. And we want to be as popular as possible. And wins help. But if those wins come at the expense of people seeing Lynch introduced at the barn and booing, it's not worth it. I mean, this is this is all about what is the best business decision for the school. And mm-hmm. to mix it up with, are they doing this from a moral standpoint or are they good people? That's not what this is Adrian about. Adrian Peterson is going to play this weekend. Wait, I'm sorry. How many sponsors just pulled their multi-millions in advertising? Adrian Peterson is suspended. Yeah. We yeah. want to do the right thing. Yeah, That's what Mark Wilf continued to say. What he didn't say was, we want to do the right thing to make as much money as possible. Yep. Uh, Vikings taking a bolt. Vikings are staring jinxes in the face and laughing at them. We'll come back and uh, discuss that and more with Matthew Collar from Winter Park. Before we go anywhere, TCL is the official broadcast partner of 1500 ESPN, uh, the studio sponsor, and also they help keep the Touch of All podcast on the airwaves. Uh, so if, if you haven't checked out a TCL TV, there's a reason why it's America's fastest-growing TV brand, one of the largest TV companies and most successful TV companies in the world. They've caught fire the last few years with their P-Series TV, the built-in Roku TVs. We have a 55-inch Roku TV in our studio right now, and uh, we're watching. Uh, it's it's a replay of this Rams and Falcons game on NFL Network, and you can, you can like see blades of grass. It's four times the picture quality of your standard 1080p TV. So if, you, if you're a sports fan and you're looking to step up your game, we highly recommend TCL TVs on the Mackie and Judd Show. You can stop into any major local retailer in the Twin Cities. Think you know, your best buys and your targets and such. 
and uh, get an experience for yourself or go to TCLUSA.com. Mackie and Judd now continue. We have the goods. On 1500 ESPN. They're a very, very good defense all the way around, especially on third down, especially in the red zone. So we got our work cut out for us. I always root for guys like that, you know, um, kind of the the undersized guy, you know, coming out that, uh, you know, nobody wants to give him any credit and, you know, just always plays with a chip on his shoulder. I mean, Casey's done a phenomenal job, phenomenal job. Um, been really happy for him just, you know, knowing him a little bit and knowing the road that he's traveled to get to where he is. All right, that's Drew Brees raving about the Vikings and Case Keenum. Matthew Collar, who does wonderful work for 1500ESPN.com. He's the best Vikings analyst in town, so read his stuff on the website. Check out his uh, Purple podcast. Judd is a regular on. Courtney Cronin, you can hear her voice on it, too. Uh, Matthew, the Vikings have taken this bring-it-home hashtag. I'm worried that this might be a—I'm not a big jinx guy, but they're tempting fate here with the football gods that always smack them upside the head historically anyways. Not only have they printed rally towels that say bring it home on the front, they have announced partnerships, quote-unquote, Lighting, purple lighting on the 35W Bridge, this the IDS Center, the Federal Reserve Bank, yep. the Lowry Avenue Bridge, the Mall of America, Nicollet Mall, and Target Corporate. Uh, they're all in on this Bring It Home campaign with lighting and with towels, daring the football gods to slap them upside the head again. I also saw the uh, St. Paul Saints mascot uh, put over the Saints logo. He put a Vikings logo and then ran across their snowy field with a flag. Wow. So I think that might that might counteract whatever jinx the Vikings have put on themselves, I think. Wow. I think that's how it works. That's a reverse I jinx. I don't sorts. know about that, Collar. I don't know. <laughs> I mean... I mean I, I don't know. Like uh, I, I think it's a, a good idea to just uh, for everybody to get excited about it. I mean, I don't have the slightest belief in jinxes when it comes to this stuff. When I I used to do a lot of uh, play by play, and if a guy was throwing a no hitter into the yeah. seventh, I was saying he's throwing a no hitter into the seventh because what I say up here has no bearing on what he does down there. And I feel the same way about rally towels. You know, I so I early this morning I was on uh, I was on a radio station in Lafayette, Louisiana, at like six forty-five this morning, talking Vikings and Saints, and uh, with their morning show. And by the end of it, he said, "You guys sound kind of nervous up there." Like the way that I was saying, you know, well, historically Vikings are this, and man, here's all the great things about the Saints, and blah blah blah, and. Uh, and he said, you sound a little nervous. I said, well, I feel like all Vikings fans are almost just like hoping this game goes very quickly and then they just get to the result of the game and see what happens. My guess is the players in the locker room don't have the same vibe. What, what's, what are you gleaning from Vikings players as they uh, look ahead to Sunday? Well, I think more than anything, the result of the last two years uh, is sitting with these guys a lot, or it's on their mind. It's, it's not so much what happened in 2009 with uh, the last time that they played the Saints in the playoffs. It's more of the last time they were on a football field in the playoffs. They felt like they should have won that game, and it got stolen away from them by a shank from Blair Walsh. And then they felt like last year they belonged too when they started the season 5-0 and and then had all the injuries and fell apart. So not that anybody needs extra motivation coming into the playoffs, but it seems like that's the biggest point of conversation is kind of righting the wrongs of what happened the last couple of years or maybe potentially not giving a kicker a chance to miss a field goal at the end of a game or something like that. But I also think, I mean, from the fan base's standpoint, 
you're right to be nervous when you go into a game with Case Keenum and they go into a game with Drew Brees. I mean, that's what it comes down to for me because when you go position by position, this is a great matchup at almost every spot. The Vikings are probably the stronger team, but only by a nose. And they have a guy who's going into the Hall of Fame as one of the greatest players to ever play. And, I mean, I watched back the Panthers tape, and I watched their linebackers target Christian McCaffrey to take him out of that game, and they – did a great job of it, or I'm sorry, to take uh, Elvin Kamara out of that game, and they did a great job of it, and Drew Brees just threw down the field anyway. It was like even when you take away his best player and his number one target, he just deals with it and makes better throws to guys you've never heard of. I mean, that, that I think should be the thing that makes Vikings fans most nervous. Now, Collar, make this very clear, though. Say this. I do not hate Case, though. Because any time now that you bring up Drew Brees, future Hall of Fame quarterback, and you know what? If you're going through a checkbox, Advantage Saints, what Vikings fans hear from us is, we hate Case. So I want you to make it very clear that this is not personal and that you actually think he's had a nice year, and this is not you dumping on the poor Vikings starting quarterback. Well, okay, I'll have evidence of that coming at 1500ESPN.com on Sunday when I put out my... 5,000-word story on, on Case Keenum and how everybody missed him actually being a pretty good quarterback. So I think that can mitigate uh, people saying that I hate him. Um, but uh, to, the, to, that, to that point, I mean, I think even the person out there who believes in Case Keenum as maybe even the Vikings franchise quarterback now would have to admit that a guy who's led the NFL in passing like seven times and averages 326 yards a game in the playoffs You'd have to admit that guy, Super Bowl winning MVP, Hall of Famer Drew Brees, is better than your quarterback because this right here this year is the best that Case Keenum will probably ever be in his entire life. And this was just another year for Drew Brees. And he was way better than Case Keenum this year. So, I mean, the advantage is very clear there. But I think if, if you're a Vikings fan, the one thing you could take solace in is that home field, The Vikings are one of the best pass defenses in the NFL, one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. They intercepted more passes than uh, other teams threw touchdowns against them this year at U.S. Bank Stadium. I mean, their defense is great. The home field advantage is real. And you have an opportunity to slow down a quarterback who is way, way better than uh, most quarterbacks that have ever played this game. O-line looks like what on Sunday? I'm going to hold that they're going to play Rashad Hill at right tackle and Mike Remmers at right guard and move Berger to left guard, but I don't know. I mean, when it comes to practice, you only see a couple of minutes of warm-ups, and that's it, and especially playoff time, the uh, lips are locked from all the players about what they're going to do. I mean, they they could just put in Jeremiah Searles, but uh, you heard Doogie report last week that they weren't so pleased with uh, the way that Searles has played this year, and Berger is a veteran. He can move over to left guard. I mean, you're facing off with one of the best defensive ends in the NFL. So, that, I mean, there might be some reason to have Remmers still play right tackle, but Rashad Hill's done a great job in pass protection. I, I think he's better there. And also, Remmers is such a good run blocker that I, I want him. I mean, you saw in that Chicago game, they started off by just handing off to Latavius Murray like eight times in a row. Yeah. And, and it was just, I mean, if you can do that against the Saints, which I totally believe you can against their defensive line, that you can pound their face in with Latavius Murray. I mean, I, I think that's number one on the list of ways to win this game is don't let Drew Brees touch the ball. 
set up play actions by handing off and having Remmers at, at guard might be the best way to do that. You know, I want to go back to this Drew Brees thing and uh, and and the Vikings defense and how they match up. I think there is uh, an unfair perception gap between Tom Brady and Drew Brees. I think if if Tom, if if you were going up against Tom Brady this weekend, all the talk would be about, oh my God! Like not only do they have all these other things, but they have the you know this this goat at quarterback. The only thing separating Tom Brady and Drew Brees is defense historically and coaching. Mike Riley, Matthew Collar, was the first head coach Drew Brees ever had in the NFL. So he enters the league with the San Diego Chargers, and the guy who just got fired by Nebraska was his head coach. <laughs> Brady enters the league, and automatically it's Belichick, and it's infrastructure, and it's you know the greatest coach of all time. And not to mention, I did the math on this, Drew Brees, throughout his decade-and-a-half, two-decade career, has been forced to score an extra touchdown more than Tom Brady to win games to make up for the gap in their defenses. He's only been given a top-10 defense twice in his entire career, and now he has one, uh, or at least a borderline top-10 defense, probably just outside the top-10. He, I mean, he's... I know he's a Hall of Famer, and people know he's a Hall of Famer, but like th- this might be the best quarterback you face in the playoffs, even if you do face Tom Brady. Uh, yeah, I see. I, I tend to just put them all kind of in the same category. These these four or five untouchables with, with Breeze, Brady, Aaron Rodgers. If Peyton Manning was still around, he would be up there. Ben Roethlisberger belongs there. Those guys are the ones that reach the conference championship or the Super Bowl every single year. And even if they don't have great stats, then you know that when it comes playoff time, you're still terrified. And with Drew Brees, he had great stats and was at the top of the league in quarterback rating again. But I, I agree with you. And maybe his, maybe his numbers wouldn't be as high if they didn't have to score extra touchdowns all the time. Maybe he doesn't quite throw for 5,000 yards every single year. But it just shows what he's capable of, that even if your offense is rolling, he can match you uh, back and forth. And even when he has historically bad defenses, his teams are still – even in the race, which is uh, incredible to think about. The the biggest thing that the Vikings defense has to be scared about is something that uh, Anthony Barr brought up the other day, which is you can cover a guy perfectly, and he'll just put it in a place where only he can put it. And he has the confidence to know how incredibly accurate he is and say, you know what, and I, and I included this in, in a piece, the, the clip of him doing this, a, a tight end who's not even a very good tight end running a seam route, and he's covered and he has to put it in a tight window and he just throws it in the only spot that that tight end could possibly catch it and he'll just do that all game long when you think you've got him sacked he can roll out or he can reset his feet or move around a little and find somebody 30 yards down the field I mean the things that this guy can do are reality bending like you just cannot believe the stuff you can see on tape from him and he belongs in the same category I I totally agree as Tom Brady is a clear-cut, elite quarterback, Hall of Famer, one of the best ever. Uh, but with all of that said, the Vikings defense is number one in the NFL and one of the best against the pass and has a completely stacked roster. So if anyone is going to have a chance to beat him, uh, with this I think being his best chance since he won the Super Bowl, uh, I, I think it is the Vikings. Yeah, it's a, it's a heavyweight fight. Fire it up, baby. It's going to be fun it's to great, watch. man. Football. Football. Football and more football. Thanks, Collar. Thanks, guys. Bye, Bye. Matthew. Matthew Collar from the Purple Podcast and 1500ESPN. Been doing a great job churning out content uh, every day and a ton of it. Hashtag content. That's what it's all about, baby. Yep. Uh, Dave, do you love football? 
Hell yeah. Awesome. What are you going to ask us next? Probably something about football, but also basketball and other things. Football! Football, yeah! Football! Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad. You guys are spoiled. You guys are lucky to have these guys. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. All right, Dave Harrigan is here with some very important questions. Very important questions. Always the most important questions. The most important questions. Or other times if we move it around. A lot of people need to hear the segment. It's true. Gopher Hoops is, as we talked about, top of the show. Aside from just the Reggie Lynch thing, but injuries that have popped up and other issues, shaping up to be a rather disappointing season, based on expectations especially. You'd have to agree with that for a team that you thought could be Sweet 16, Elite 8, who knows, maybe Final Four, to, I believe, Phil, as you said, maybe the NIT, but it's not looking Mm -mm. good. It's not. In fact, Reavers and I in the hallway just went over the schedule. It's it's did you say game by oh, game? Did oh, you say loss, loss, loss? Well, well, let's Dave. You ask the question first, and then I might I might loss. take you there with my answer. Well, the question is to do a little rank them based on other very disappointing seasons we've had in this town, and uh, how things have shaped up versus the the expectations yeah. versus how it turned out. Do you understand where I'm going for here? So let's yes. actually hit the thing. No. Humans compete. We like rankings. Phil and Judd rank them on 1500 ESPN. So we have 2017-18 go for basketball based on what it looks like is going to be happening. Mm-hmm. I will also give you 2011 twins going from 90 or 94 wins in a playoff run, short one, to 99 losses. Mm-hmm. You have 2010 Vikings. We know what happened in the second year of Favre. Mm-hmm. And 0405 Wolves going from Western Conference Finals to getting flip fired. What okay. were the first two again? I didn't write the first two down. 2011 Twins, yeah. your famous column of who's going to beat them. Yeah. And 2010 Vikings. It was uh, the column was we should just fast forward to the Yankees playoff <laughs> matchup again. Yeah. I, I never said fast forward to win. I meant 2017. Okay. So so do we go from from four on up to the most disappointing? Is that what you want? Correct. Number one would be the most disappointing. All right. So number four to me is actually number four. The 2011 Twins. Based on this, Royce saw it coming. To this day, Royce said. Why are people so worried if you're going to beat the Yankees? I don't think you guys are that good. So there was somebody in town who actually forecast that. The next one. One, two. Number three. Uh, I'm going to say the Wolves in 0405. Now, nobody obviously saw the massive drastic drop-off that we've seen for the last 13 years. Um, but that one is four because two. Number two. Has to be a Vikings team that returned everybody. And I know they were aging a bit, but they returned everybody. And when they went and got Favre out of, of retirement again, you thought to yourself, well, they'll be decent. I mean, they should be pretty good. They should be the roof collapses. It was such a colossal cluster bleep. And then... Number one. These gophers, it's been so sudden. I mean, this isn't a gradual, this isn't a, a non-conference season, and you're like, ah, you know, this isn't as good as I thought. I was at that Miami game with the wife, and we're like, this is great. Go for basketball's back on the map. 
This is Williams. The barn is full again. This is going to be fantastic. This is a team that's going to make the NCAA tournament, and they're going to make a run, and they're going to no. I put them number one. This is incredibly disappointing, and I, I realize it's recency bias, but it is tough to take. Yeah. <clears throat> um. I'm going through the schedule. We'll, we'll do we'll do that at some point here, but it's it's NIT is going to be real tough, real tough. CBI, you yeah, pay to CBI. get into CBI, right? Don't you pay to play in that? Do you? I don't remember. I think Why you got to write. Anyone pay to be? In I that? think you got to write a check to get in the CBI. That's ridiculous. I'm not kidding you guys. Uh, so in order from uh, the, the teams that you just gave, <laughs> number four, I would say the least disappointing or the least surprising. Uh, I've, I'm wrong a lot in this business. Before the 2010 Viking season, it was our it was Roycey and Mackey's first year, and I remember I kept telling Pat on the air, I have a really bad feeling about this season. This just it doesn't feel right. The window felt like it was open briefly. You got some aging players here. Favre left it all on the field in New Orleans. I just had a bad feeling from the get go. But not no one could have. Really foreseen what actually happened in that 2010 season. I put that number four on the list. One, two. Number three. 2011 Twins, number three. Because even if you would have gotten to the playoffs, it probably ends the same way, right? Like, there's, they can't beat the Yankees in the playoffs. Number two. Number two, this year's Gophers team. It's gone from appointment viewing, Elite Eight potential, maybe maybe if they get lucky, Final Four. I mean, that's the type of team we thought. And then Eric Curry injury, Reggie Lynch sexual misconduct, Amir Coffey goes down with the shoulder, and it, it it's like the brakes slammed on, and you went from appointment viewing to last night is the last Gophers game. I'm gonna, I, I mean, I'll watch some of the games, but I'm not gonna go out of my way to block out full two hour chunks for Gopher basketball. Unless Amir Coffee comes back. Number one. And number one, you had it was it's the 0405 Wolves. Because you went to the Western Conference Finals with MVP Kevin Garnett in his prime. It wasn't like the best player was aging like Brett Favre on the 2009 Vikings. You were bringing back the best player in the NBA. And Sam Cassell and Latrell Sprewell. They were getting a little older, but you thought, you know what? Like the, There's still plenty left in that tank. Gotta feed my family. There was nothing left. Nothing left. The chemistry was shot. Um, Latrell Sprewell, yeah, he wanted more than three years, $21 million. Gotta feed my family, guys. And uh, even though they made a surge the second half of the season, we're coming, we're coming, they fell short. That was really disappointing because it also signaled the very clear end of the KG era. Like that 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 group of players didn't work to bring a championship. Mm -hmm. And you knew it. Not only did you know that this is really disappointing, I thought this was going to be better, but you also knew... Man, they're gonna have to blow this up. And it took them two years to trade KG, but you knew that you knew that it was time. So that's uh shame on me, by the way, for not adding every wild season to that list, knowing <laughs> that Judd believes they should be in the Stanley Cup finals and every single the winter year. classic. In the state, every the state of hockey year. is that what you're talking about? The yeah. state of state of hockey where a blue <laughs> line runs around it. Uh, let's talk about these Timberwolves. For the last month or so, they've been arguably the best, if not the best, then certainly one of the very best teams in the NBA. They seem to be figuring out the defense. Even Jimmy Butler was saying that after last night's game. Well, give me the teams in the NBA that if there was a seven-game series today, you are absolutely positively sure would beat the Timberwolves. Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to say... Three for sure. The Warriors, the Cavs, despite what happened last week, like they would 
they'd find a way. And I would say the Celtics. In fact, during this hot stretch, the team that made the Wolves look bad, the only one probably is the Celtics. They've lost a couple of the games, but the team that really made them look bad was the Celtics. So they beat the Rockets? They beat the Spurs, huh? I, I'm not, the, I like the it. The Spurs are banged up. The Wolves have played really well against the Spurs twice. That'd be a great matchup. I'd pick the Spurs to win the series, but your question was really, like, how sure would you? Mm-hmm. And the Rockets, I need to see more. It's a great offensive team, but I I, I mean, the Wolves and the Rockets are going to be a really interesting matchup. Rockets, they're going to take 43-pointers and run up and down the court. And I think Tibbs could scheme them. They might. He might I, I, I think yeah, he could. I'm with you. It's, it, we'll, I don't we'll find out. We'll find out. Uh, I would say Golden State for sure. <laughs> I agree with Phil on Cleveland. Boston, I'm not, I'm not sure of. I'll replace Boston in a playoff series. With the Spurs. I think if you met the Spurs, if Kawhi's healthy and you go against a, a Kawhi-led team with pop coaching in, in a playoff series, I'm confident that they would beat him. I, the, he, wo- the Wolves would have the, the, the... The Wolves would lose that series. The Rockets intrigue me, though, because I think you could ski... I think in a playoff series, Tibbs' defense against Houston would be really interesting to watch, and I would not say that's a given that the Rockets would win that series. So I love Kawhi Leonard... He's also got a shoulder thing now. He's out again. That's a problem. He's uh, he's had some major injury issues. I mean, he's, he's never played. The most games he's ever played in a full season is 74. That's incredible. He's never played. He's never played. He's always missed at least eight games. Mm-hmm. There might have been a shortened season in there somewhere where he, he played a full short season. Uh, but it, it's is it a hot take to say as great as Kawhi Leonard is, if the Spurs and the Wolves played each other in a seven-game series, that the Wolves would have the two best players on the court? Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns, especially now that Towns is playing some defense. I don't know that's a hot take. Yeah. They, now, you still might pick the organization well, and the system. Pop. I can't go against Pop. But the Wolves might actually have, with banged up Kawhi Leonard, and even he's played eight games, he's averaging 16 points. So he's not even the same guy he was last year. I don't know. No, the minutes are down. The minutes are down. He's on a minutes restriction, but... The same. Final question, Phil. You said with Collar, you did a little uh, morning radio this morning in New Orleans, correct? Uh, just out like Lafayette. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, they were were they picking it up from just Vikings fans in general, or you specifically that there was a little nervous energy coming? They picked up my nervous energy, sort of on behalf of Vikingsville. Okay. Yep. Well, let's do this then. Rating things on a scale of wait, doesn't everyone use one to ten? And whatever it is. Mackie and Judd are evaluating on a scale of on 1500 ESPN. So let's put it on the nervous slash angst meter. One, two, there is a deranged clown in your front yard with a bloody knife. (laughs) Where is your angst level at for the Vikings against the Saints? And give me a number for both the Eagles and the Falcons if one were to say win by two touchdowns and look like a pretty good squad the next week. Uh, I am going to say that that for the first question, my personal angst for this game is uh, it's uh, John Wayne Gacy not dressed as a clown, Me- meaning I trust him, meaning it's actually very low. In fact, I wrote a column yesterday. <laughs> He's got a nice flannel on. Yeah, exactly right. He looks like a good guy. And I, I wrote a column on Wednesday telling people to calm down. This team is built around defense. It's not the same Vikings. If you are a if you are a Moss fan or if you're a Viking fan beginning with Moss, you're very concerned. But those teams are all built around offense. Now, if the Falcons win by two touchdowns, it's Gacy as a clown. Oh no! Because if you bring the Atlanta Falcons into the stadium that's on the same site as the Metrodome for the NFC Championship game, <laughs> I'm sorry, but my pants are going to be wet. 
Okay. <laughs> oh. You are going to oh. the the recreation of that game on that site makes me ext- and you're just tempting fate then. You're tempting fate. Poor Kai Forbath and all the stories that are now going to be done on him. So, but right now I'm very calm. I will reassess, but those are my immediate reactions. Uh I'm going to I'm going to skip ahead to the second part of the question and come back. Regardless of who wins that game between the Eagles and the Falcons, I think this game is a far greater challenge. And so my level of angst would be that cut-in scene during Happy Gilmore where Shooter McGavin is, like, drinking beer and making out with Happy's grandma. Yeah, he's the bad and boy. And there's flowers and a, and a bed, and it's you know music is playing. The I would say mask, the Gene Simmons mask. All of it, yeah. Yep. Like, the, like the, that's the level of angst where it's just, like, your dream sequence. I think they're going to beat the Eagles or the Falcons. You, you go go to Philly, doesn't matter. He, Nick Foles is not beating a Mike Zimmer defense. To part one, on a scale of one to a deranged clown in my lawn holding a knife with blood on it, I'd say my angst for the Saints is like a seven or an eight. Um, I've been on an Unsolved Mysteries kick. It's like there's an Unsolved Mysteries episode where someone hides under people's cars, slashing Achilles tendons. My level of angst is like, <laughs> You're walking to your car after watching that episode, and mm-hmm. it's dark outside, and it's raining. Mm-hmm. That's my level of you angst. You think you see a shadow? Yes. I thought I heard a knife underneath my car. All right. Like, I'm—this is going to be a really tough game. I am I think if you were to put a poll up and ask Vikings fans, would you rather just, like, fast forward to the end result and rip the bandaid off? Tell me, win or lose, what happened? Or sit through the entire pregame and the entire game itself and watch the result play out? Pick one. I think a lot of people would just want the Band-Aid ripped off. Just, I, just if, are we going thing, on or not? Are we out. moving on or not? Yeah. That's the sense I get. Mm-hmm. We could act, We should put that poll up, actually, during the break. Would you rather, like, fast forward to the end or just sit through this whole thing on Sunday? From the beginning, the first game, the pregame, the first game, then the pregame for and the second if, game. If you win, you got to wait all day, all weekend. Thing. It's the last game, right? It's the, the two Saturdays, and then it's the second game on Sunday. Oh, God. Vet line's going to be Eight amazing. quarters of potential hell. Yes. Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad. What's wrong with it? I love the fact that people can't stand it. Yeah. And then a lot I of people can't stand it. It's yeah. great. Mackey and Judd. If you'd vote him for Donald Trump, you can't stand it. Yes. Right. Yes, you're right. convinced this is the worst thing ever to happen <laughs> yes, in sport. Right. Yeah. On 1500 ESPN. Never push a good man too far. Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan star in the explosive action thriller The Foreigner from the director of Casino Royale. Don't miss the film. Critics are calling sharp, exciting, and compelling. Own the Foreigner now on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital. And head to the 1500 ESPN stream player for details on how you can win your very own Blu-ray copy. At the end of the day, it still comes down to football, the things we've done during the season offensively with the quarterback taking care of the ball, throwing it to the right spot, getting us in the right checks, so on and so forth, um, are more important probably than playoff experience. It's new things going on out there, you know, they're, they're a different team, you know, uh, that was the first game of the season for us as well, you know what I'm saying, we're a different team as well, so uh, not really trying to replicate, I'm just trying to do my job, whatever it takes to get this get this W, so um, however it shakes out, you know, as long as we win, I don't care. All right, yeah, uh, this game is going to be super fun. If you, if you the, the way you can judge games, too, is if you're not even a Vikings fan, and the Vikings resume versus the you know Saints resume is matched up at a playoff game would you sit down and watch it if you had no vested interest and I absolutely would and now we have vested interest because it's the Vikings so um yeah are you do you think it would be better for the Vikings to play Atlanta at home or Philadelphia on the road if they beat the Saints 
Uh, I, I know there's a lot of people that because uh, Foles is playing for Philadelphia would say travel, but I say no. I say stay at home. Yeah. I, if I can stay. The Falcons are a good team that, that I think underachieved a little bit during the course of the season, but if you give me an option of just an opponent on the road or home, I take home. It's louder. It's controlled completely. I told you. I don't want to go to a place where I play uh, on a soggy field where variables and weird stuff can come in, where kicking is tougher. I want to give myself as controlled and advantageous of environment as possible, so I would prefer the Falcons yeah, here. But, yeah, this is, like I said before, I think the Saints are the toughest matchup left among all the playoff teams, and that includes the Patriots. The Saints are more put together. I know the Patriots have the mystique and they have Brady and Belichick. The Saints have a better defense than New England. The Saints have more, the the Patriots have the best weapon in Rob Gronkowski, but the Saints have better weapons overall, and you can't say there's much of a measurable gap between Tom Brady and Drew Brees. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're going to, you might have to go through both of them if you want to win a Super Bowl. 651-646-8255, mm-hmm. couple minutes left in the show. Randy in Cottage Grove, what's going on, dude? Randy? Oh, hey. Hey guys, I'm uh, I'm good. I'm uh, as I said to you, a couple uh, whatever it was, uh, started a little playoff push here. I haven't had a cocktail since since then, okay. and uh, we're not going to cut loose till Sunday morning. Of course, we'll be good and ready for game time if we get going in the morning. So, uh, but I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited, guys, because I think we we're gonna you know, Matt Ryan is going to be the kind of guy who we're gonna we're gonna make a little noise, kind of rattle him around, make him uncomfortable in that pocket. And uh, he ain't that mobile, you know. He ain't that mobile. And uh, uh, you mean you, know, you mean Drew you mean Drew Brees, Randy? Are you? Are, it sounds like you might be doing some day drinking. You mean Drew Brees, right? Oh no no no! I'm I'm talking about next week. The, the, I'm talking about uh, the Falcons. Well, we'll be playing the Falcons next week for sure. Right, That's but you got to beat you got to beat the Saints first, Randy. Don't forget, you don't get no. two bye weeks. You got to play the Saints first. No 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 no! This is are you kidding me? Who you tell me? The Saints ain't beating no one this year. They're 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 brutal. They're horrible. Okay, we already smoked them once. Well, no, this is a formality. Sunday wow. Sunday is a formality. Wow. Okay, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. I'll give. I'll put out my my PayPal if anybody wants to to go ahead and, and make a wager. I'll uh, I'll go ahead and say we're gonna smoke them by a thirteen plus. I mean, I'm not even breaking down film on that game. I mean, we're done on that game. That, that I'm on. I'm on to Atlanta. Hmm. You know, I'm on to Atlanta. Seems like a bad idea, Randy. Really, with Atlanta, the thing that scares me most is this kicker. He's a, he's a stud. I mean, he does not miss. He does not miss under pressure. Oh, he's good. And, uh, if that game comes down to kicks, you know, you never know. But I'm I'm on to Atlanta, and and frankly, uh, I, I'm really really on to Pittsburgh because I think they're going to make a run here. You, you pick oh. Ben is the kind of guy who we're going to have to flush uh, out of the pocket and see if those old legs still got some steps in them. And I'll tell you what. Uh, in the Super Bowl, I really, really like us to kind of try to mix it up and get a lot of screen passes involved. But we'll, we'll get to that, okay? Let's focus on Atlanta for the time. <laughs> okay, yeah. And, uh, let's just focus. Let's be just, focus just on Atlanta, right? We'll yeah. Yeah, we'll just we'll take it. Let's yeah, forget all about Sunday's game. Up. Yeah. Let's not get too far ahead of the Super Bowl. Let's focus on Atlanta. That's good. All right, Randy. Seems like he, he hasn't. He said he hasn't had a drink in a week that's, and a half. Uh, I think BS. he meant an hour and a half. That's BS. He's been drinking all week long. Wow. I've seen his tweets. There's no way he's not. I had no idea that, that he was completely uh, looking past the Saints stall. Hmm. Good on, for him. On to Atlanta already. Good That's for him. Good. Between that and the and the towels they're going to come up with and distribute, and we're going to light everything up in purple, what could possibly go wrong? I might wait one more round to light the whole city up in purple. 
What could go, what I don't, could go wrong? I don't know. I'm not a big jinx it's like the superstition vest. guy. But. The victory vest was a great idea. It worked perfect for that championship game in the 98. The victory vest? Star Tribune victory vest. You cut it out and put it around your head, and it was a victory vest. What was it made of? Newspaper. Was that your idea? <laughs> no, it was not my idea. I believe it was on the heels of the Homer Hankey idea, though. Oh, my God. And the and the streets were littered with them following the wow. Falcons field goal. One of those is a much worse idea than the other. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're back at Target Center tomorrow for our show. A lot of good guests, including Jamal Crawford, will join.